Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see uh, the sleep-in service and some of the remnant of 9.30 that decided to sleep in just a little extra. Congratulations on springing forward. Glad that you were able to accomplish that. If you could, um, oh, and by the way, you're going to see some people walking in as you're leaving this morning. Just smile and nod at them, and they'll walk in and go, what happened to church? Uh, anyway. <laughs> Grab this blue envelope and hold it in your hand for just a second. Missions Month is the second offering that we take during the year to bless people that we may never have an opportunity to meet. The first uh, offering that we do, of course, is the CTK blessing. And this year, again, you blessed us with an incredible, an incredible response that allows us to be able to work with families right here in Whatcom County who are encountering medical crisis or just really, really deep uh, seasons of tragedy. The second offering that we do every year is a missions offering. And the reason that we do this is because we believe that God has a plan for people here, there, and everywhere. Uh, this year, last weekend, where we had an opportunity to give to uh, one single life, over 111 of you made the decision to sponsor a child through Seeds of Hope Ministry. We had an incredible response when it came to educational scholarships as well. Um, and John was so thankful. He goes, this, this church just kind of blew my mind with their response. And so thank you for doing that, being a part of that. This weekend, I want to introduce you to two more projects. The, the mission center in Catania, Sicily is literally a light in the center of a very, very dark place. We compete with football and apathy in North America. They compete with uh, human trafficking, drug cartels, and the actual Sicilian mafia, not the movie version, the real version. Yeah. Pastor Francesco Romeo and his wife Melita uh, really, really touched Laurel and my heart last year when we were there. The city of Catania heard what this church was doing. It's a little fearless church of about 400 people. They heard what they were doing with regards to refugees and with regards to drug addicts. And they were so touched by what this church was doing, what they basically did was they gave them a several square block area in the center of the city, gave them all the buildings and said, you can do whatever you want to with this. They turned it into a mission center where they are literally transforming refugees into missionaries. They teach people about Jesus. They have a medical center there. There's a children's drop-in center. And they've asked us whether we could come alongside of them and help create and increase the light inside of this little church in Catania. When I asked Pastor Francesco what some of his greatest obstacles were, he says, well, when the Sicilian mafia is across the street, he goes, if we, if we sing too loud on a Sunday night, they will turn off the power in the entire downtown core of Catania. I said, so what do you do then? He goes, we sing louder. 
I said, now you are our kind of people. You are our kind of people. So this envelope is an opportunity to touch this little mission center. And next week, I'll show you some pictures of the people that are doing that, your family on the other side of the world. Now, there's another project as well that you started last year. Last year, we came to our church and we said, uh, we double dog dare you to give $75,000 that was donor matched by a person that we've never met before from Oregon. So we sent $150,000 to the other side of the world. The dream was to plant 250 house churches in the Pechubin province of Thailand. We're going to do that again, and let me tell you why. Uh, originally, the goal was to be done planting 250 house churches by the end of 2019. I just got the report from Thailand. In January of 2019, one entire year ahead of schedule, they did not plant 250 house churches. They planted 268 house churches. So they've already reached the goal one year early, and they also hosted the largest public baptism in Thailand's history in the province where you made a decision last year to bless people that you were never going to meet. So we're going to have another opportunity this year to step up. This is not between me and you. This is between you and God. It doesn't have anything to do with your tithes or your offerings. This is above and beyond giving. And my prayer is that those who've been blessed at Christ the King will also take the opportunity to be a blessing. As we get ready to open the word of God today, I know some of you looked at your outline and said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like the one weekend I decided to come to church and this guy's going to talk about money and confirm every stereotype that I've ever had about church. Well, I hope you'll at least listen as we walk through this, because if you're here checking out Jesus, investigating Christianity, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to pay attention to how many Christians are squirming around you for the next 30 minutes. Welcome and enjoy as we talk through this. I got a great picture of modern economics this past weekend in an airport in Saskatchewan. I'm standing in line at Tim Hortons because that's what you do when you go to Canada. I order my French vanilla and my donut and my sandwich, and then I step to the side. Laurel went off to find a table for the two of us, and the lady behind me, she stepped up. She gets the total and realizes that she's a little short. Total was $22.34. She had a $20 bill in her hand. You can do the math on how much she was short. She looked around to find her husband. He was not in eyesight. So she looks at her 10-year-old son, who was obviously on his way to the happiest place on earth or was coming home from the happiest place on earth because the mouse ears are a dead giveaway. You, can, can you picture him? Okay. And she says to her son, Tyson, I'm a little short. Do you have your wallet? He groans, apparently this has happened before, pulls out of his front pocket a small little leather cowboy wallet. He unzips it and looks at his mom and says, how much do you need? She says, $2.34. He pulls out a toonie, that's a $2 Canadian coin, you can Google it later, okay, and two quarters. And as he hands it to his mom, she reaches out her hand and then he pulls it back goes, how much am I going to get back? She goes, 250. He says, I'll take a 10. And Tyson was preaching scripture. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay. Tyson's preaching scripture. He's also a capitalist with a future in the loans business. I think you can do that math, right? 
Let me tell you very clearly why, why we are not doing this series. We are not doing this series because God needs your money. I checked his bank balance. He still owns everything. God's good, okay? <laughs> We're also not doing this series because CTK needs your money. Okay, because of God's grace and your generosity and because of some of the principles that we're going to talk about today, we're doing all right, even though we got slammed in February because, you know, it was like winter all month and never Christmas, right? Let me tell you why we are doing this series. We're doing this series because 86% of divorced couples said this topic, money, was the primary source of conflict that resulted in the dissolution or the end of their marriage, we're doing this series because over 82% of young adults and college students in this country said this topic, money, is the primary cause of anxiety and depression in their life. We're doing this series because over 60% of adults in this country are living paycheck to paycheck and constantly live in fear that one major expense, one illness, one vehicle issue, or one home repair would financially compromise them to the point where their housing or their food source would be threatened. We're doing this series because over 50% of the people in this room right now have a credit card balance of more than three months of your aggregate salary. We got a problem. Here's the good news on that last statistic. 50% of us having that kind of a credit card balance is actually down 10% from the year 2000. Here's the bad news. That 50% is carrying more debt than ever, and they've together incurred more than $1 trillion in debt. That means the hole is smaller, but it's deeper than it's ever been before. We're doing this series because in a recent poll of 1,000 Jesus followers, only 8% of them said they were actually living their life by biblical financial principles, and only 7% of them said they believed that Jesus would describe them as generous. We're doing this because we think we can all do better. We're doing this because we believe that God has a plan that actually works better than the world's plan. We're doing this because we actually want freedom for the people of God. So let's start with this, because it's important. By the way, as a young pastor, this topic used to intimidate me. It doesn't anymore. It doesn't anymore because I believe this is at the core of many of our spiritual maturity and it all starts with one simple statement. Your money is not your money. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything you have belongs to God. And you're like, no, Grant, that's not true. I work hard for my money. Here's the deal. Without Jesus putting thoughts in your brain, breath in your lungs, sweat on your brow, and strength in your hands, you don't have jack. Amen. It all belongs to Jesus. He's loaned it to you. He's the source. You've got the resource. Basic English. So if it all belongs to Jesus, what's the point of the series? It's simple. God wants us to direct his money. He doesn't want money to be directing us. When I ask people, do you feel like your finances put pressure on you? Most people say, yes. God wants us to do it differently. And by talking about finances today, I'm in good company. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, hell, prayer, and faith combined. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So let's start with where we're truly at. Uh, this is the way culture tells you to make your money work for you. And you'll notice the number of times I said you, okay? This is the way culture says you're supposed to do it. They say you're supposed to spend it and then earn it 
and then spend some more, and then save it, and then give it. Now, some of you are just like, uh, Grant, you did a typo in the outline because you can't, you can't spend it and then earn it and then spend it again. It doesn't work that way. And I would disagree with you and say, no, that's exactly the way it works if you're an American. <laughs> Based on debt ratios, the average American spends $1.38 for every dollar they earn. They leverage it. The very definition of credit is that you're extended the money before you actually have it in your hand. So in this country, you pre-spend it when you're pre-qualified, and then you earn it, and then you spend some more, and if there's anything left over, you call that your savings, and then as a very last resort, if there's like anything left at all, then we're supposed to be generous and give it away. That is so not God's plan. I love serving a Jesus that just flips everything on its head. And he does it here. Last weekend, Pastor Brian talked about your heart when it came to generosity. I thought he did an amazing job. We're going we're gonna to build on the heart and now we're going to move to your hands. Because before you ever contemplate what you're going to do financially, God starts talking to your heart. Let me quote Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Modern's translation, if you want to know what you really value, you look at your calendar and your checkbook. And I'll tell you what you value. God's word also says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How many of us could fall under that description? I'm good, as long as I'm fed and clothed. One translation says this, the best way to live is content. For naked we came into the world and naked we'll depart. It's kind of a strange picture, isn't it? Here's my translation of that. Bottom line, you came in naked, and when you die naked, there's going to be nothing in your pockets because you weren't born with pockets. That came with pants later on, all right? And here's the truth of Scripture. You can have nothing in your pocket when you die, and your heart can still be full. This is the way God tells you to make His money work for you. The Bible actually says you need to earn it. You got to earn it. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Now, there's a huge difference between people who can't work and those who won't work. That verse is for people who won't work. The Bible says we're supposed to do this differently. If we claim to be followers of Christ, we understand something. We don't work for a man or a woman in a corner office. We work for a man on a throne. Amen. We work as unto the Lord. Bottom line, our eternal paycheck is signed by Jesus, and that means while we're here, we're supposed to be the most conscientious, we're supposed to be the most honest, we're supposed to expect an honest day's pay for an honest day's work, we're supposed to be the most diligent, we're supposed to be the least lazy, we're to be focused and put out an effort that would make our heavenly boss proud. We earn it, and then we're supposed to steward it. Let me tell you what that means. When we steward God's resources, it means we wisely manage the gift that he's given to us, which means we pay our bills on time. We budget so we know where his resources are going. We make wise decisions. We actually look at this as if it's not ours, it's God's. And we have that mindset all the time. It's his, it's not mine, it's never gonna be. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna steward this because I wanna make its rightful owner proud of the way I'm handling his resources. So you earn it, you steward it, and then God actually says, give it. You notice how far up the list generosity and giving is on God's plan? It's a little different, right? And then he goes even further. He goes, I actually want you to give it with joy. 
I say this all the time. God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll start with a grumpy one, just so you know, okay? <laughs> God's financial plan's got two principles built into it. I hope somebody says amen after each one of these. Principle number one, you can't outgive God, okay? Amen. Gave his only son. Secondly, his 10% is still bigger than your 90 because he owns everything. Amen. And God challenges us. He says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I have an atheist friend who thinks I'm nuts. Every year when he hears I'm talking about finances, he's like, okay, you're gonna talk about that tithing thing again? That's what he calls it. You talk about that tithing thing? He goes, let me get this straight one more time. Okay, so the church pays you a salary. You take 10% right off the top and give it back to your employer. That's nuts. I'm like, no, that's biblical. That's what God says. We're supposed to do that. I'll come back to those principles in just a minute. So after you give back to God what's rightfully his, then you save it. You're actually supposed to do that. You're supposed to have something set aside in case a crisis does happen. And then after you go through all that, then you get to spend it. Do you see how different those plans are? I mean, one starts off with an agenda of self-sufficiency. The other has an agenda of glorifying God with the same kind of self-sacrifice that Jesus poured himself out completely in when he generously gave his own life to save you and me. Okay, so that's the plan. Now, how in the world do I get started? Because I, I can already see. I'm watching the body language in the room. I'm like, I get it. I understand. Number one, you got to trust the source, not the resource. You got to trust the source, not the resource. Some of you remember back 2008 through 2012, economic crisis here in the country. Everybody found out that these materialistic idols that we were worshiping could all get knocked on their backside in a hurry and everybody was freaking out. You know what was interesting? About 2008 through 2012, church attendance went way, 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 way up because we were freaked out. Everybody was wondering, is this actually going to work out? What did we do instantaneously? We got threatened, we ran back to the source. Because we found out that the resource can't be trusted. I mean, I love the fact that God says this, trust me, trust in the God who gives all good things. There's a sobering moment happens when Jesus is teaching this large community of people. He actually teaches them about looking after the poor. He talks to them about prayer and fasting, and then he wraps it up with a beautiful sermon on worry. You should read it sometime, Matthew chapter 6. But three quarters of the way through, Jesus says this. And I could imagine in that culture and context, everybody froze just like you guys froze when we started talking today. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let me say that again. You cannot serve God and money. Now, you can use money to serve God through generosity, but we all need to know this. Nothing... Nothing will tempt you to leave your love for God faster than the love of money. Listen to the Bible again, Hebrews 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Nothing wrong with money. Money's great. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. People get this twisted all the time. Nothing inherently wrong with money. How could there be, right? It's an inanimate object, right? We all have some understanding of money. We have special leather holders, and inside we put paper and plastic. I love paper and plastic. 
They make my two favorite things, Frisbees and books. I mean, I love paper and plastic. Okay, don't get me wrong. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We actually think a piece of leather filled with paper and plastic can give us security. We think it's going to last. We think if we get enough of it, we are invincible. In 30 years of being a pastor, I have watched families sit in my office. I have watched parents choose a piece of leather filled with paper and plastic over a relationship with their own children. I've watched brothers not speak to each other for more than two decades. And what were they fighting over? A piece of leather filled with paper and plastic. I've seen people sell their ethics in order to get a little bit more paper and plastic to put in their special leather holder. I've watched people rip off their clients so they could get a little bit more paper and plastic. They fell in love with it. It was intoxicating. They stared at it. They gathered it. They hoarded it. They held it in the center of their hand. My precious. (laughs) Proverbs 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits, the best you have of all your crops. I want to stop here because sometimes when we're dealing with this stuff, I think, I, I think I've missed this over the years. Um, I'd like to honor those people in this room who do this faithfully every week. There are people in this room who practice extravagant generosity. You learned something that I'm still trying to learn. You, you, you started trusting the source a long time ago and you figured something out. You can't outgive God and God is faithful. Your challenge is to continue in that faithfulness and build the legacy your legacy of maximum kingdom impact. I want you guys to know, I don't know what anyone gives in this church. I don't know. But I do know people are generous because last year I got to give away a lot of money to missions organizations around the world because you said yes. And because of that, I want to say thank you. For the rest of us who are still discovering this, God's plan, here's your challenge, okay? Trust the source, not the resource. Number two, start small, but start now. You hear me at the end of the service, right? You could probably say it with me. We're gonna bring the service to conclusion by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're a guest, please be our guest. Let the offering pass you by. We don't want anything from you. I mean, you guys know the script, right? Because we've been saying it for so many years. But someone's just like, what in the world is the, what's a tithe and what's an offering? The tithe is the first 10% of what you earn. It's Old Testament language. It's a beautiful place to start. It's a great goal to aspire to. It's followed up by the New Testament language of 1 Corinthians 16, where the apostle Paul says, every believer, everyone who follows Christ should set aside a sum of money at the beginning of every week and bring it every week to bring it to God in a regular act of sacrificial giving. Now let's underline the word sacrificial. That means you're supposed to actually feel it. When we go to Israel, which we're going to do again in May 2020, if you want to start planning, we'll start having uh, information meetings really soon. But we go to the temple court, and I love standing in that spot because the first story into my brain is the one where Jesus walks in, and over here you got a religious Pharisee who's bragging about his generosity. I give this, and I give that, and I'm just this most amazing thing, and everybody's like, wow, look at you. And over here on this side of the courtyard, a lady slips in with two copper coins, less valuable than two pennies. 
and she puts it in the temple treasury, and Jesus says, look at her. Amen. Amen. Did you see that? She blessed the heart of God. And in that moment, Jesus teaches us a huge truth. It wasn't the size of the gift that mattered to Jesus. It was the size of the sacrifice. She felt it. And God noticed. Listen to this wisdom from scripture. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Simple math about compound interest, okay? You came to church, you're going to get a math lesson. Here we go. Woohoo! All right. If you start at the age of 22, you invest 50 bucks a month. I know for some of you, you're just like, $50 a month? That's crazy. But for the majority of people in this room, let's be honest. That's two movie tickets and a little bit of sushi, right? 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 That's, that's eight cups of coffee, okay? Some of you are like, no, don't take away my coffee. I'm like, <laughs> fine. You start at 22, you invest 50 bucks a month until you reach the age of 65 and have a return of, let's say, 7%. If you did that and followed biblical principles of finances, you would, at the end of that time, have contributed over $15,000 to the mission of Jesus, and you'd have 135 grand in the bank. Because you started small and let it grow and had an impact. If you can't do 10%, start somewhere. But have a trust that God can make up the gap. In all of our years of trying to be generous, Laurel and I have learned one thing to be true. God's faithful. He's faithful. Let's keep going. Number three, another practical piece with your hands. You got to attack your debt. Okay, most of us in this room, we got some form of debt. All right? Hangs over our head like a sword, right? Dave Ramsey came up with this thing called the debt snowball. He teaches a curriculum called Financial Peace University. It's available. You should take it. The debt snowball basically goes like this. You got four, let's say you got four outstanding debts, right? You got a target card with a balance of $453 because a really, really sweet person looked at you one time and, and just said, would you like to save 15% on your total purchase today? You can do that by giving me a simple bit of information. And then all of a sudden you've got this red card and you're swipe, 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 till it starts to melt. And suddenly you got to, they send you pieces of paper with numbers on it and says, you got to pay money. Let's say you got a Target card, balance of $453. You got an American Express card with a balance of $1,248. You got a car payment, $343 a month for four years left on the loan. And if you're like most of America, you got a student loan of 26 grand, okay? According to Dave Ramsey, who teaches this curriculum, he says, here's what you do. You pay the basic minimum payments on all of the debt because that's just the right thing to do. Then you pick the smallest debt and you attack that thing with everything you got. You put everything you have, effort, attention, extra hours, coin jars, stuff that you sell on Craigslist and don't need anymore. You attack that debt until it's gone. You sacrifice until the little one's gone, and then you move on to the next one. You move on to the next one. Because ultimately, God wants us all to be free. I didn't say rich. I said free. Why does that matter? Do you remember Tyson? Have you forgotten about my little Canadian financier already? He taught us a lesson from Proverbs, the borrower says slave to the lender. And God doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything. 
takes discipline, it takes sacrifice, but it's biblical. Listen to, listen to Solomon, one of the richest men in human history. He says, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. It's hard to believe that verse is actually financial in nature. Solomon knows something. You give it enough time, your debt will eat you alive. It will chew you up and spit you out. You say, that won't happen to me. Really? How did you get your target card? Right? There's a price that needs to be paid. Why do we care about this? Because God wants us to direct his money. He doesn't want real money to be directing us. And some of you are thinking, that's really, really good, Grant. But it doesn't happen here in Whatcom County. We have some of the highest cost of living in the world. I mean, we're barely scraping by. Let me tell you something about some people from white here in Whatcom County. Pastor Ryan Irvin runs Financial Peace University. I asked him for an update. He melted my brain with these numbers. Since 2009, we've had more than 250 households go through Financial Peace University. Those people have retired $1.3 million in debt and have put over $500,000 in savings. They call that a change of position, okay? That's moving from the hunted to the hunter. The average family that goes through FPU changes their cash position $6,000 in nine weeks. 2018, just last year, 23 families did Financial Peace University. They retired $105,000 in debt. They put 29 grand in the bank. Ryan did the math for me. Bottom line, those families made 650 bucks for every class they attended. Those people are sitting next to you right now. They took God's plan seriously. They went after it. And I'm so unbelievably proud to call them brothers and sisters because they said, I'm not going to be a slave to a piece of plastic or paper anymore. Here's the last one as we got to wrap up. Number four, I know this is not, seems like it's not rocket science or deep theology. You ready? Learn to say no. <laughs> Learn to say no, right? I need that. Yes, swipe. Buyer's remorse on the way home. Did I really, really need that? I've already got four of them. <laughs> but this one's a little bigger. <laughs> I'll sell it on Craigslist. That's what I'll do. How's that working for you? I'm standing in line at Target last week, eavesdropping on a conversation. Okay, here's the deal. I've got tinnitus. If you talk loud enough that I can hear you, I reserve the right to quote you in my sermon anytime. <laughs> You're talking way too loud. I'm just saying, all right? There's a group of people behind me having a conversation. This is how it goes. Can you believe the sales? All of these stores have 40% off. I have saved so much money today. Do you see the flawed thinking there? Now, if they were necessities, that's different. But to think that you went in saving when you were actually spending, that's the root symptom of everything we're talking about today. Here's the deal. Spiritually mature people, they know the difference between a want and a need. Jesus promised to provide everything you need he never promised to give you everything you want because God knows some of the things you want are actually not good for you. Last proverb. The wise store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. 
Self-control is difficult. And Solomon says there are people that, that look at things like, you know, good wine and, and oil. I mean, choice food, all of these great luxuries, and they just gulp them down. They gorge themselves, and then they wonder why there's nothing left for tomorrow. It takes a spiritually mature person to say, I'm going to say no today so I can see, say an even greater yes tomorrow. Last year, when we were doing our missions offering, I heard about three brothers, teenage guys, who sent out a message on Facebook that they were going to babysit for free as long as people would contribute whatever they were going to pay them towards planting a church in Thailand. They were trusting the source, not the resource. I don't know if they're here in the service today, but I'd like to speak to my brothers. God took your babysitting and your sacrifice and he changed the life of people that you will never meet. But I promise you, someday in heaven, a brother or sister with beautiful, beautiful brown skin is going to walk up to you and say, Suwadikap. And they're going to say, Thank you. Amen. You helped me find Jesus. They said no to themselves so they could say a greater yes. And I hope they're in church next weekend because I'm going to show you pictures of the largest public baptism in Thailand's history. And you got to play a part. Starts with knowing the difference between a want and a need. It's as simple as that. Let me wrap up with this statement. I don't just want to honor God with what he's entrusted to me. I don't just want to do that. I need to honor God with what he's entrusted to me because I know something. I'm in this world for an instant. I'm here and then I'm gone. Everything I invest for Jesus will last for eternity. So my prayer our church again this year, is that we will take a step in the direction of radical generosity. That we'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay the price. Last year, Ecclesia, our, 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 our young adult ministry, they blew my mind. A bunch of broke college students raised more than 50 grand for clean water projects. They bought a van for the Engedi Refuge. I mean, this group of kids stepped up with creativity and sacrifice. Amen. And now we get to join them with the same kind of heart. So now we're going to take an opportunity to practice what we preach. We're going to bring this service to conclusion by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. And if you are our guest, I really want to talk to you today, okay? <laughs> If you are our guest, I want you to know, I say this every week, we don't want anything from you. You've already given us the greatest gift we could ever ask for. You showed up. Amen. On daylight savings time weekend, you showed up. Amen. I mean, that's just, so thank you. So in a moment, when the buckets go across the room... I want you, please, would you just take the bucket and hand it to the next person? You've already given your gift. For the rest of the people in this room, this is our opportunity. When we simply say this, I'm not going to take a knee to a financial idol. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to chase paper and plastic. I'm going to choose to believe that what God says in his word is true, and I'm going to trust him and test him. 
This is the only topic in the entire Bible where God says, give it your best shot and see if I don't pour out a blessing on you that you don't even have room to contain. So it's our opportunity to practice what we preach. And today, my hope and prayer is that we will have a conversation with God. Married couples, I hope you have some really, really difficult conversations on your way home today. I dare you to be the one to dig your elbow into the other person's ribs and say, so? We say we're Christians. Are we going to do this or not? Are we going to follow Jesus or not? Are we going to take a pass? This is an opportunity for some of us. We need to cross a line, a line of faith. And once again, I don't know what you're going to do or not do. It's not between me and you. This is between you and the king that you're going to worship for the rest of eternity. Let's make the right kind of investment. Next week, I'll show you more pictures of your family in Thailand. I'll show you some pictures of a little mission center in Catania, Sicily. And together, we'll see whether or not we can turn the world upside down just like Jesus has turned this plant upside down. Father God, would you bless my brothers and sisters today? May this truly be a moment of worship in spirit and in truth. We acknowledge this is all yours and we are simply stewards. So to the God who likes to multiply things, will you take this sacrifice today and multiply it across the entire world? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.